Welcome to the Everyday Conversion Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Sievercrop, and I am just like you. I'm busy with work, family, kids, church, and a million other responsibilities. And honestly, some days I miss my personal scripture study and prayers. And some days we as a family miss our scripture study and prayer. But I'm trying. So if you're not perfect in living the restored gospel of Jesus Christ, but you're trying, well, get along great, and this is the place for you. Five days a week, I'll share a brief episode, often based on the Come Follow Me curriculum for that week, that I'm using to have daily conversations with my kids, whether we're on our way to school or on our way home or if it's real quick before dinner. And you're welcome to use them to do the same with your family or your personal study. Just know that the views and opinions I share are mine alone and do not represent the official doctrine and viewpoint of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Now let's jump right in with today's episode. All right, welcome back to the Everyday Conversion Podcast. This is episode 31. You get everything we talk about today at everydayconversion.com forward slash BOM31. And I was getting ready to record an episode yesterday and ran out of time, was not able to get it recorded. Uh, but did study and got some really good stuff out of it. So I'll share with you uh, what I learned from both 2nd Nephi 26 and 27 today. And honestly, I, I kind of had a little bit of a tough time deciding what the title of this episode was going to be because there was a lot of themes that have been used before. And I actually wanted to use a title that I knew I'd already used for another podcast episode, so I wasn't able to. But 2nd Nephi 26, 27. So uh, 26, uh, there's some really, really good stuff here. Um, one of the things that stuck out to me was in second Nephi 26, eight, and this is talking about, um, you know, we're talking about, uh, the Messiah coming. We're talking about, uh, the fact that they'll be visited with thunderings and lightnings and, uh, they'll be destroyed basically. Uh, in seven, Nephi says, Oh, the pain and anguish of my soul for the loss of the slain of my people. And then in eight, it says, But behold, the righteous that hearken unto the words of the prophets and destroy them not, but look forward unto Christ with steadfastness for the signs which are given, notwithstanding all persecution, behold, they are they which shall not perish. And the, the thought that came to my mind was this physical salvation that Nephi is talking about. Uh, after Christ's uh, crucifixion, uh, this physical um, destruction that the the righteous will be saved from, it both at the time of Christ's crucifixion in America, and I think also at the second coming, it's a type of the spiritual salvation that comes through Christ and His atonement. You know, not only were the people that were righteous saved and preserved at the time of His crucifixion in America, and also. Uh, we read that they'll be um, saved at the second coming. But spiritually, those of us who are righteous and who heed the prophets and who follow Christ will be saved spiritually. And that's even more important than this physical salvation. But but the physical salvation is a type of the spiritual salvation that we receive when we accept Christ and when we follow him. Um, a couple other things in, in 26 that stuck out to me. Um, Verse 15, like as I'm reading that, I'm like, oh my goodness, it's 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 crazy how spot on 
Nephi is as far as his description of what is going to happen to his descendants uh, when they're smitten by the Gentiles. You know, because it talks about, you know, uh, the camp against them round about shall have laid siege against them with a mount and raised forts against them. And you think about the fact that um, as, as America was being settled and the Native Americans were being chased um, from their lands, I think of all the forts that were built and things. And it's just like, wow, it's huh, interesting um, that, that he specifically mentions forts. And I mean, it's not a big deal, but it was just like, oh, that's interesting. Um, and then in verse 16 was something that really stuck out to me. And it ties into what we talked about in episode 15, uh, which I'll put in the show notes, um, uh, where I talked about the uh, the words and the descriptions and the, the things that my wife's, I think, fifth or sixth great-grandfather, Chief Washakie, said uh, when he was given a Book of Mormon. In verse 16 of 2 Nephi 26, it says, For those who shall be destroyed shall speak unto them out of the ground, and their speech shall be low out of the dust, and their voice shall be as one that hath a familiar spirit. And that phrase, uh, it shall be as one that hath a familiar spirit, stuck out to me because when Chief Washakie received the Book of Mormon, he basically said, look, this book is true. And and then he kind of gave an overview of of exactly what the Book of Mormon says, that that at one time his people, his, his ancestors, uh, were in favor with God, and then they quit listening. And so the Lord turned his back on them and that at some point in the, in the future that he would quit being angry with them and he would turn back towards them. And as I read this, I realized, you know, it, it had a familiar spirit to chief Washakie because these were the traditions that had been passed down from his ancestors and that had been shared, um, from, from, uh, you know, the ancients in his tribe and his culture and I, I wonder if that's what that means, you know, that it hath a familiar spirit because it, it, it resonates with them. It's, it's similar to the things that they were taught and that had been handed down from generation to generation for them. And I just thought that was interesting. And I, I wonder if that's the case. Uh, 2 Nephi 26.23 is a very simple phrase, but it's profound to me as I'm reading it. In 23, it says, For behold, my beloved brethren, I say unto you that the Lord God worketh not in darkness. And I read that and I'm like, that's so simple, but it's really profound. If you think about it. the Lord, God doth not work in darkness. He does not do anything in darkness. Everything about him is light. Everything he does is light. Everything he does is to encourage and uplift and um, improve and better and um, save mankind. And then in 24, it talks about that. It says, he doeth nothing, save it be for the benefit of the world. For he loveth the world, even that he layeth down his own life, that he may draw all men unto him. And then in 25 through 28, such amazing verses, really, really amazing verses. Um, you know, Nephi goes into talking about, you know, does he tell anybody to leave, to go away? No. He invites everybody to come to him. He invites everyone to partake in salvation. He invites everyone um, to, to come unto him. And it, it reminded me of what we talked about in episode 25. And I think 26, it's either 25 and 26 or 25 and 24. I can never remember. Um, I should probably just go back and listen to both of them so I can remember because it seems like I'm referencing these a lot lately. But Christ has made his decision. He's inviting all to come unto him. He's inviting all to partake in salvation. What we need to decide is whether we're going to accept that. There's no price. There's nobody that can't afford, quote unquote, to come to Christ. There's nobody that can't 
um, achieve the level that they need to, to come on to Christ, because all you have to do is come onto Christ. There's no level. There's no, um, point that you have to get to, you know, I, I underlined some of the phrases that stuck out to me, you know, come unto me all ye ends of the earth by milk and honey without money and without price. And then verse 27, it says he hath given it free for all men. Uh, and before that, he says, you know, has he commanded any that they should not partake of salvation? Be all the sins you may, but he hath given it free for all men. And he commandeth his people that they should persuade all men to repentance. And then in verse um, 28, it says, all men are privileged, the one like unto the other, and none are forbidden. And then if you jump over to 33, Nephi's saying much of this similar thing. Towards the end of 33, he says, uh, he doeth nothing. Save it be plain unto the children of men. And he inviteth them all to come unto him and partake of his goodness. And he denieth none that come unto him, black and white, bonded free, male and female. And he remembereth the heathen, and all are alike unto God, both Jew and Gentile. And as I read that last one, what I realized was it says he invites all. He inviteth all to come unto him. And I think we need to remember that because it doesn't say he invites all unless you've really screwed up. You know, it doesn't say he he invites all um, unless you've done fill in the blank. You know, fill in, you know, fill in your favorite sin. <laughs> um, you know, he basically says all, no matter what. No one is beyond his salvation. No one is so far gone. Um, you know, what was the quote that we read the other day from Elder Holland? Let's see if I can find it here in my notes. Um, gosh darn, is it that many pages back? Oh, here we go. Um, you know, the quote from Elder Holland in his 2006 General Conference talk, which I'll link to in the show notes. To all of you who think you are lost or without hope or think you have done too much that was too wrong for too long, this conference calls out Jehovah's unrelenting refrain, my hand is stretched out still. You know, so it's that idea of nobody has done too wrong, too much, too wrong for too long. There's just not a case. Um, you know, he invites all to come unto him. And I think that's an important aspect. Okay, go ahead. Uh, verse 27 is uh, Nephi quoting Isaiah 29, which talks a lot about um, this book. Uh, and I, I guess I should jump back to 2 Nephi 26, 16, where uh, I just said it right there. You can just set it right there. We'll get it later. My son's wanting to take stuff downstairs. Just put it down. We'll get. We'll take it down later, okay? Thank you. Uh, verse 26, or chapter 26, verse 16, where it says, For those who shall be destroyed shall speak unto them out of the ground, and their speech... Well, we just read, we did read that. Oh, my gosh. I'm losing my mind here. So it's talking about, um, you know, these things that are written. And then 27 really goes into that. So Nephi shares that this is, you know, his impression that his descendants will write, and they'll, they'll preserve a record for their descendants. And then in 27, it really hones in on that idea. This idea that there will be a book and it'll be sealed and it'll be a revelation from God, um, and you know it's it's the the famous prophecy about it being delivered to one who is learned and the the learned man says I can't read a sealed book and all of that stuff that we've read many times, but then in twenty in verses twenty and twenty one in verse in chapter twenty seven this really stuck out to me. The Lord uses a phrase that we talked about and it's actually the title of um, episode let's see here episode 19 uh, he uses this phrase i am able to do my own work and i'll link to, to uh, episode 19 and you can go back and listen to that if you've missed it but in 20 and 21 the lord says 
All right, it says, Then shall the Lord God say unto him, The learned shall not read them, for they have rejected them, speaking about this book. And the words in them, it says, And I am able to do mine own work. Wherefore, okay, I'll get you some in a second, okay? No, I'll get you some in a second, please, okay? Um, it says, Wherefore thou shalt read the words. No, stop, please. Go watch your show, and I'll get you some in a second. Okay, I had to pause for a second and deal with my son who was whining about something. I'm not sure what. Uh, you know, but in verse 20, it says, I am able to do my own work. Wherefore, thou shalt read the words which I shall give unto thee. Touch not the things which are sealed, for I will bring them forth in mine own due time. For I will show unto the children of men that I am able to do mine own work. And as I, as I listened, as I read that, I thought about the fact that, you know, really it seems to me, first off, it reminds me of what we talked about in episode 19, which is back in 1 Nephi 17, verses 12 through 13. Um, and so you can listen to that episode and then go read those verses if you want. But as I read those, what it got out of it was the Lord saying, I am able to do my own work, is the Lord wanted to make sure that it was clear that there was no disputation or argument or anything, that this was his book and it was brought forth by him by his power, and they were his words. He wanted to make sure that it was not the wisdom or the genius of any man that brought this work forward. It wasn't because there was a really wise Egyptologist or a really wise linguist that translated them. He wanted to make it clear that it was him. And that's why, you know, I, it was interesting. On Sunday, one of the sister missionaries spoke in our word, and one of the things she said um, ties into this, and I just thought about it. She said, it's more impossible that the Book of Mormon is not from God than that it is because of the circumstances around it, how quickly Joseph Smith translated, that he was able to do it with his um, level of education, with the, you know, the, the resources and the knowledge that was available um, to him at the time. It's impossible. It's more impossible to think that it wasn't translated by God, by the gift and power of God, than it is to believe that it was translated by the gift and power of God. And I think that's what the Lord's saying. It's like, look. I'm going to make sure that there is no possible way that Joseph Smith could have, that anybody could have done this. That people have to look at it and say, "Yep, that's the only logical explanation is that it's brought forth by the gift and power of God." And I really think that's what it comes down to. Just like the Lord said that, um, you know, as they were getting ready to cross the ocean, or as they were crossing the ocean, the Lord said, "You know, uh, I I'm going to make it clear that it's because of me that you were brought here." And the other thing that I reference in, in episode 19 is the story of Gideon and his army, where he basically says, look, Gideon, you have way too many people. We need to get rid of some of these people so that you understand that it's me that won this battle, not you. So that's what I, read, I got from that, and I thought that was interesting. And then 22. So again, I mean, what I'm going to say next is pure speculation. I have no reason to think that this is going to actually happen, but I do think that it's interesting that at some point this will probably happen. Um, in verse 22, it says, when thou hast read the words, which I have commanded thee and obtained the witnesses, which, which I have promised unto thee, which, and we, you know, we, we completely skipped over that, but verses 12 and 13 and 14 talks about how there will be three witnesses. And then there will be other witnesses as many as the Lord, um, shall see fit, uh, as seemeth me good. He says, um, so after that is happening, he says, which I have promised unto thee. Then back in 22, it says, Then shalt thou seal up the book again and hide it unto me, that I may preserve the words which thou hast not read, meaning the sealed portion, until I shall see fit in mine own wisdom to reveal all things unto the children of men. And what I thought was, it's really crazy to think that at some point it is completely possible and, prob and probable 
that a prophet will stand up in general conference and will announce that the Lord has seen fit to reveal the sealed portion of the Book of Mormon and that he has translated it and is going to be providing it to us as members of the church. I mean, the Lord says at some point when in his own wisdom, he will reveal it. So at some point it will be revealed. And because of how the church is set up and because of the, the priesthood organization and the, and the way the world, the Lord works, it's going to be a prophet. And general conference is probably the place where they're going to announce it. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. And then, so here's the part that's completely complete conjecture, complete, just me spitballing and saying, wouldn't it be cool? I have no basis for this. This is not a, um, even a guess, even a, a rumor. I mean, I mean, it's not even, I don't know, but I had the thought, it's like, wouldn't it be crazy if that is the reason that President Nelson said that April 2020 General Conference is going to be so unique and so unbelievable and you don't want to miss it? Wouldn't that be crazy if that's why? And then I had the thought that of all the prophets that, that I look back on and that I've known and that I've read about and seen and stuff, he's the one, like he would be the one that would do it because he's the one that's making waves and, and really, um, you know, pushing us to do more and, and work quicker and, and making all these changes and all these things. Like I said, I have nothing to substantiate that literally nothing. It's pure speculation. Um, but at some point this is going to happen at some point, more records are going to come forth and it will be through the prophet and they will be translated by the gift and power of God, just like Joseph Smith translated the first part of the Book of Mormon. At some point, we will have that sealed portion. Will it be in my lifetime? I don't know. Will it be in my kid's lifetime? I don't know. I could be. It's very possible. We have no idea. But it's amazing to think, and I think we need to be reminded of this, that revelation has not ceased. And just because it's done, it's done in a more quote-unquote normal fashion most times now, revelation still exists. And the prophet still receives revelation just like Joseph Smith did. And if it were um, the Lord's will, what was the phrase that he used here? Um, if, uh, if, he, if it's in his own wisdom, if he, he sees, sees fit in his own wisdom to reveal it, then the prophet today could translate the sealed portion of the Book of Mormon just like Joseph Smith translated the first portion of the Book of Mormon. It's the same priesthood. It's the same calling. It's the same office. We have that same power with us today. That is the power and the responsibility that President Nelson holds as president and prophet of the church, just like Joseph Smith did. And I think it's important for us to remember that, that we have with us today a man with that same responsibility, the same um, the same calling, the same office, the same priesthood, the same keys that Joseph Smith had. And if it, if the Lord saw fit in his wisdom, President Nelson could translate the sealed portion of the Book of Mormon or any other records that the Lord sees fit to reveal that have been created and preserved. Um, they could, they could be brought forth. Um, by the gift and power of God, just like Joseph Smith did. It's important for us to remember that. I think sometimes it's easy for us to forget. And that's exactly what the Lord says in the Book of Mormon over and over again. Revelation has not ceased. I have not stopped speaking to man. And we need to remember that that means that everything that Joseph Smith was able to do, the prophet today could also do. That's really awesome. That is the power. That is the, uh, the responsibility and the right of this church. 
and of the priesthood of God and the keys that President Nelson holds. So um, I think it's important for us to remember that. And it would be interesting and exciting if it happened in our day. I don't know if it will. Uh, I have no reason to believe it will or it won't. I just think it would be cool. And if it doesn't come, I still believe that President Nelson is a prophet, just like Joseph Smith was. And I still believe that he could do so if he were required to do so. And um, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that we have a prophet on the earth today that has those same keys and has those same responsibilities and the same um, privilege um, to receive power and ability to do what the Lord needs him to do. And we're seeing that. I, I think some of the changes that President Nelson has made um, are as miraculous as the things that Joseph Smith did. And he is doing the things in his sphere and his scope of responsibility that are just as important as what Joseph Smith did in his. You know, all of them are necessary for the continued restoration of the gospel in the fullness of times. And that's pretty cool. It's pretty cool to think about. So anyways, you can get the links to everything we talked about today at everydayconversion.com forward slash B-O-M 31. We'll see you in the next episode. All right, that's it for today. Now, I know, I know you want to hang out with me longer, but we both have a ton of things to do today, including living the gospel and trying to be like Jesus. Cue primary children singing. I'm trying to be like Jesus. But hey, if you want to get the links to everything we talked about today, you can find it on the episodes page of everydayconversion.com. You can also do cool stuff like subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast listening platform, sign up for email notifications of new episodes, and connect with us on social media there. It's kind of like a virtual church library without the militant librarians or a piece of paper to sign out your three tiny pieces of chalk for your lesson. Also, just remember, I do my best to make sure my opinions are in line with official church doctrine, but they are just that. They're my opinions. For official doctrine and viewpoints, I recommend you go to churchofjesuschrist.org or comeuntochrist.org.